a fascination with numbers and thinking outside your box coming up next on the Broke at 40 podcast. Hey, before we start our episode, always remember if you don't want to be broke at 40 like I was, or if you are broke at 40, stay tuned on a weekly basis where I explore the basics of personal finance and more importantly, the behaviors that can bring you from broke to brilliance, whatever you think brilliance may be. And as always, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult with a financial advisor if necessary. My name is Evan Thomas, and this is the Broke at 40 podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Evan, your humble host of the Broke at 40 podcast. Today is Sunday, November 6th of 2022. And it's early in the morning because, uh, as you guys know, I've talked about recently that I try to practice a lot of the things I talk about to late in life savers, one of which is getting up early, thinking about your day, planning, executing, working with numbers, which we're going to be talking about today. And because the time changed, yeah, I got up a little bit earlier than normal and started thinking about you, my late in life saver, and what I could talk about today to help you as you go from broke to brilliant throughout your life starting late like I did when I was broke at 40 and hoping that I could change my financial destiny, which I did. And I know that all of you can change your destiny as well. Now, before we get started with today's episode, I want to give you my money thoughts of the week and anchor back to some episodes I've had just recently, where, as you know, I met with my Vanguard advisor to talk through some asset allocation changes that I could make with my retirement target fund within my Lincoln account. Remember that discussion? If not, go back and listen to that episode. But I did want to update you and let you know that I did change my Lincoln target fund from the 2025 fund to the 2030 fund, VTHRX, which just meant that it purchased more stock shares and rebalanced, which then, as you know, then offset my total money that I have to make it more 60% stocks, 40% bonds. So I did make that move at the request or insight, I should say, of my advisor at Vanguard. And I was happy to see that that was a really good move because when I went back into the um, the um, asset allocation analyzer within the Vanguard site, it did change, obviously, in my favor for where I wanted that to be. I think it's at about 62% stocks somewhere in there, and the rest would be bonds. And remember, I also take cash, my cash reserves, out of that equation, even though some people add that in. I take it out because it's going to be used for emergency funds and things of that nature, and I didn't want that to skew those numbers. So I also thought to myself, Evan, as I go into 2023, and I'm wrapping up 2022, just like you are, I thought to myself, you know what? I really need to leverage making or or having more appointments with my advisors at Vanguard because at any time I can click a button, set an appointment either with somebody I've worked with before because I don't have one dedicated advisor until you have so much in assets with them. Remember, they just manage my Roth IRA and my taxable account. Someday when I retire, I'll bring the money over to them 
and then they can manage all of it. And then I would get one person that I could work with. But I see advantages to working with one person because they know the last time you spoke and they take really good notes, which is great. But I also like talking to other people by setting up an appointment and getting another advisor. And I find that very beneficial as well. So I have a goal going into 2023 that I'm going to leverage that and schedule more appointments, even if it's just to talk through some anxiety that I'm feeling about money, which is exactly what I did just recently. And I wanted to share this meeting with you. So this past week, I set an appointment and I had a, an appointment with an advisor and he helped me really understand some things that I had forgot about my investor profile. So when you first sign up for Vanguard Advisory Services, you fill out an investor profile. Now, I already know I'm closer to retirement. So if you're really much younger and you sign up for their services, you may have a target balance to get to by the time you retire. And then every year going forward, you see that you're getting closer to that goal. Well, I'm already financially independent, right? So my goal was less. I have more money invested than what they say that I need to still get 99% success rate over time. But the one thing I want to share with you is that when I filled out my investor profile a couple years ago, I lowballed what I thought my social security income would be because I didn't want to assume that at age 67, I would get the full retirement benefits that my social security statement says. I was just being conservative, right? So I put in $18,000 as social security at age 67. <clears throat> now, actually, that is not accurate. Um, if I go to socialsecurity.gov and I look at in their website, which I think they just updated it because I got an email. So for all of you, as you're, you know, going towards your wealth, take a look at socialsecurity.gov. Go ahead and set up an account with them if you haven't done so. And it will tell you exactly what your forecasted monthly payout will be at age 62, 67, and 70, I believe. So it depends on how old you are and what you would qualify for at what ages. But that's for my age now. That's what the payouts would be, those ages. And it'll tell you the amount that you would get at that time. Now, a couple of things are going on here that I want to share with you. It's interesting to me as I think through this discovery. I did remember that I lowballed the eight, that 18,000 number. And even though I put 18,000 as Social Security, see, that's in the investor profile. So it's built into their model of your success over time to get that 99% likeliness of success. If I take, remember, the 38,000 out per year. Yeah. So that's still 99%. But he said, you know what, what does your statement say? So I looked at my statement and actually my payout at age 67 would be 32,808 or 2734 per month. Now, let me pause there for just a minute. That is with an assumption that I will continue to work until age 67 and have the income that I have now built into that model. Are you following me? So if I retire early at age 57 or 58, 
then would I still get the 32,808 per year? No, it drops down about $5,000. And I, you can go to socialsecurity.gov and you can put in the number and say, no, I anticipate that my future years of income from whatever age you are to whatever age you wanna to get to for that payout, you can put in zero. And that's when I saw that number go down. But the significant thing with that is that even though by reducing that, if I stopped working next year, the forecast payout would be 5,000 less, but that's still 9,000 above the 18,000 that I have in my investor profile. So yeah, a little complicated, isn't it? But the point is I will probably, um, and one thing they said to me is that because I am with their advisory services, I can't go in and play with the numbers. I have to call them. They set the numbers and then I can look and see what they did. Um, the the basic outcome of that call and the significance to me is my social security will be more. Even if I quit working early, it's going to be prorated, right? So I can think about that as we move forward in terms of when I want to quit working. Now, when he put in the 32,000, um, the balance, the target balance that I needed would go, went from 700,000 to 500,000 and still get a 99% likeliness of success. That was really relevant to me, knowing that I'm already 900,000 and some change above the target uh, balance that I should get. Are you following me? So things are looking really good. Even if perhaps we don't get the full benefit of the social security, I'm kind of building that into my equation as well. So just wanted to share those money thoughts with you this week. I would encourage all of you as you're building your wealth over time, if you haven't done so, go to socialsecurity.gov. Take a look at what your numbers are going to be for when you retire and what your social security benefit will be, most likely, right? And build that into your structure as you move forward. Now, moving on with today's episode, I wanted to talk about a fascination with numbers and thinking outside of your box. And what I mean by that is I'll share with you just a couple things that have been going on in my head. You guys know I had an episode maybe a year and a half ago where I talked about I have had a fascination with numbers for a very long time. And I think that for latent life savers, you have to adapt and adopt that type of thought process to to get a fascination for numbers, because if you're so far behind the eight ball, like I was at age 40 and I was broke and had no money whatsoever, I really needed to leverage the fact that I had this fascination with numbers to be able to track things going forward. Otherwise I wouldn't have been able to do what I was able to do. So my best advice for all of you is to have, or try to get a fascination with numbers and think about it once a week. You don't have to do it every single day of your life. Get up early, look at your numbers and think, how can I get to where I want to be in this 12 months of time, right? We have to look up, raise up, look down over 12 months. Some of you are probably just looking at one month, which is fine. I talked about that just recently, but you've got to learn and use your build a budget spreadsheet to think about that entire year. So my fascination with numbers examples that I want to give you, there's two of them right now. One of them has to do with walking to wealth. You guys know I love to go out and walk, but as I've shared with you over the past couple of years, 
I don't walk every single day. I want to, but I don't. And I would imagine that for you guys, the same is true for you as well. You hear me talk about doing my weights and walking and stuff, but do I go through periods of time where I don't do that? Of course I do. Now, I started thinking about how, you know, through Fitbit and the watch, you know, you can wear the Fitbit and count your steps. I have a new goal going into the rest of this year, two months, which is really a January goal, but I start my goals early to get a head start. And I would encourage you to do the same, whatever your goals are. So I decided today <laughs> um, that after reading a couple articles about the benefits of getting 10,000 steps per day, which is hard to do, but not when you break it down into increments. And that's what I want to share with you. You have to have this fascination with numbers, not only with fitness, but with finance as well. And I said to myself, Evan, try to get 10,000 steps per day in November and December. So give yourself a shorter goal. I'm not saying I'm going to do all next year. I'm going to try to form those habits because it takes a couple months, as you know, 30 to 60 days to form a habit. And I thought, okay, going into some time off that I have coming up at the end of the year here after Thanksgiving and such that I have that kickstart time to really leverage that time and opportunity to get these 10,000 steps in. I also read that, you know, the health benefits of 10,000 steps per day is amazing. Lower risk for colon cancer, lower risk for heart disease. And it just makes me feel good. It gets my adrenaline going. You know, I used to go out and create podcast episodes as I was walking, as you know. Maybe I'll start that up again for my intros. It was just a really great time to, you know, get your thoughts together and think about your day or the, the day that you just had, which I'm leading up to here. So I went into my Fitbit and I went back over several months and I wanted to know, Evan, what is your baseline for the number of steps that you get just going about your day? walking around in your condo, going to the grocery store some days, you know, what is that baseline of number of steps? It's not like zero, right? You, you guys are getting up and you're walking around. It's not active steps per se. It could be passive steps, but you're still getting steps. And my baseline average was about 1750 per day, 1,750 steps per day. So I thought, okay, if I really want to get 10,000 steps a day, let's go ahead and take 10,000 and take away 1750. What do we have left? 8,250 steps that I have to solve for. Now, I may have shared this with you in previous episodes that as I get older, I have found it difficult for some reason, and I want to challenge myself over the next two months, that I have a hard time for some reason at the end of the day working out, either lifting weights or walking even. And I thought, well, Evan, wait a minute. You do really well with walking in the morning. Why can't you do two walks per day? See, I don't, I, I don't normally think that way. And that way you can get your 10,000 steps if you break it up into two different sessions. But that's going to be hard for me. I'm going to challenge myself because at the end of the day, after working, I want to have dinner, right? I want to, it's like, I don't feel like going out and walking. And so I'm going to challenge myself to do that. And so if you take 8250 and divide it by two, that's only 4,125 steps in the morning and 4,125 steps in the afternoon or evening. That is very doable. When I go out and do a little bit of walking, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it's about 4,000 steps, maybe five. So I can clearly get 
the 10,000 steps per day. I just have to think outside of my box and know <clears throat> that if I want this heart bad enough, I'm going to have to think differently. So that's why I titled this episode Thinking Outside of Your Box, because you guys have to think outside of your box, and I'll think outside of mine. You may be thinking as you're listening to this that there are things that you may want to do differently. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there are things that you are thinking through as I'm talking through this episode. And the other thing I want to talk about in terms of a fascination with numbers is the S&P 500. But before I talk about that, I just want to share with you quickly, I met with one of my friends yesterday and we, we, we get together and we talk about finance. And I had this aha moment, I think, where, as you guys know, I've been wanting to retire now, but it's like, I'm so fortunate to have such a great job and we just got our merit increase announced to us just recently, as well as our bonus. And so I got a 4% raise. And I'm like, wow, how many companies are giving those types of raises these days with the economy perhaps going down in 2023? Although, have you seen articles and read recently or watched on TV that some folks are anticipating that the stock market is going to rally in 2023? like maybe 20, 30% from where it is now, it's already down 20%. So yeah, I don't know. There's always a disparity with the, as you know, the economy and the stock market. So who knows what's going to happen? But I always say, try to get your income up, right? Keep your job if you can, continue investing and all that good stuff. But I just had this aha moment where I started thinking that, you know what, Evan, don't jump ship too early if you have such a good thing. And so I, even though I want this, it's something that I've been also reading articles where people that work longer in their lifetime tend to not only be happier, that, but live longer. So I'm really trying to rethink and think outside of the box, my own financial independence. You know, I got to financial independence, as you know, a couple years ago. I should celebrate that. It's not thing, something I talk to people about. You're the only ones I talk to about this. I don't go around and tell my friends. They, they don't know any different than anybody else, right? The millionaire next door mentality that I've talked about before. Nobody really knows how well or bad you may be doing. But you know. And so I'm rethinking, yeah, you know, if, if I if I continue to think that, oh, I have these challenging projects and, oh, I want to jump ship and retire, I may regret that later and be like, Evan, why did you do that? You had such a great thing. Can't you think outside of the box just a little bit and welcome challenges and do the work necessary? And so that's what I'm going to do going into 2023. But back to the content of the episode about a fascination with numbers, the second example I have for you is that we know that 2022 is going to be a terrible year, I guess, in the market. Good for me, though, because I had my income still and good for you if you had a job, if the market's down, you're buying more shares and all that good stuff, right? But I can't wait, as you know, at the end of this year to talk to you about my final numbers and you can think about your numbers as well. <clears throat> but I'm really kind of fascinated with the fact that, you know, I'm on a website right now, msn.com. You can click S&P 500. And 
you know, I click the year to date number here and I see that, you know, the number really to beat to get back to where we were in the S&P 500 tracking that indice really is 4,800. Right at the beginning of the year, we were at 4796.56, somewhere there, around there in January 3rd. So I just round up to 4800 in my mind. And where are we now on the S&P 500? 3770. So 1,000 points to get back to 4800. Are you following me? So <clears throat> this is unprecedented for me in all of my investing that I've been tracking since 2005, really. Oh, well, you know, we had the recession and things like that in there as well. But from 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, all of those years up until 2018, when I had a little bit of a loss, this is unprecedented for me. So it's really interesting to think about this year and how different it is and how different I feel than any of the other years. So you may also recall that August 19th of this year is when I put 31,000 into my Roth IRA as a lump sum and my taxable accounts. Remember that discussion? I'm normally not a lump sum investor. I've always, as you guys may be doing, if you're in your 40s, you want to max out your 401ks and your Roth IRA to the total dollar amounts, which is for me, because I'm over 50, 37,500 going into 2023. I might start thinking, Evan, maybe you don't need as much cash as you think. So I'm going to be rethinking. I'll probably talk to you about the fact that I might leverage when the market is down and continue to dollar cost average in. But anyway, it's a net result that, you know, either I'm going to have the cash on the side or it's going to be invested in the market. But to wrap up today's episode, what I'm fascinated with right now is the number to beat again is the 4,800. So how long do you think that's going to take for us to get back to the baseline of 4,800? And as I was just saying a minute ago, in August 19th of 2022, I invested um, for my four account, remember, my 401k, my Roth, my taxable account, my HSA. I wanted that to be $1 million. So I popped in the 31000 to get to the $1 million. That's when the market was at 4600 Okay? So look at the differences there. 4800 was the high. I popped in the money at 4600 and now... We're at 3770. I shot, I probably should have put the 31,000 in right now because the market is lower. I would have bought more shares, but hindsight, what is it? 2020, right? <laughs> so anyway, dollar cost averaging in for you guys going forward. If you get to a point where you've got this extra money and you want to lump some in, it's still great because we will eventually get back to the 4,800, obviously in the market. And so as we move forward, then and to really close out this episode, I want to be thinking about, as we go forward, I will probably be sharing with you, yeah, how long is it going to take to get back to the 4,800? Is it true what some people are saying right now, that there could be a rally with the stocks in the market in 2023, which is different than I've been thinking? But if that happens, could it get back to that benchmark of the S&P 500 of 4,800? Maybe. And if it gets to 4,600, then that was the benchmark where I had the 1 million in investments at that time based on the number of shares that I had. And so anyway, that's what I'm going to be thinking about as we go forward into 2023. So again, I want you guys to have a fascination with numbers as a late in life saver. 
so that you too can think about how you can get to where you want to be in the next 10 to 15 years, depending on your age right now, because you can build wealth in 10 to 15 years. So that's what I have for you guys today. I'm going to go ahead and close out this episode like I always do. I want you guys to make it your mission to walk with me to wealth. You guys know I appreciate you. I believe in you and I congratulate you for every step of the way. I'm Evan Thomas. I'll see you next week on the Broke at 40 podcast. Alrighty, that's going to do it for another episode, everybody. Hey, I've got a favor. If you've got a friend that's struggling financially at any age, please share this episode with them. Let them know that I went from broke to a million dollar net worth in just about 14 years. And if I can do it, anybody can. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. What do I always say? It's okay to be broke at 40. It really is, but not at 50 or 55 now that you found us. You can change your financial destiny. I'm Evan Thomas, and this is the Broke at 40 podcast.